Welcome to the Writing Threads podcast. We are Stephanie Wilson and Heather Westberg King. Join us for real and raw conversations with talented writers and creators as we dig into our old stories, what happened and what it's like now. This is a podcast for anyone who loves the power of story. Steph. Yes. Heather. You're there. I'm here. We figured out what we're doing. This is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. It's so <laughs> easy. But I have I have several confessions to make to you. Okay. I am so challenged at this stuff that Okay, so you know I wanted to do a podcast for quite a while, so I've been like collecting the things you need. Yeah. But then when I was using Anchor, I didn't realize that when you are going to record with somebody else, it has to be from your phone. So I'm learning as I go. So I have a microphone yes. and okay. headphones here, but I can't use them because they don't plug into my phone. Like I don't have the right adapters or something. I'm not All smart. All we before. need is our phone. We could do a commercial for Anchor. <laughs> How easy it is to do a podcast. <laughs> That's apparently what we're doing. Um, I have AirPods in, so I guess yeah. we'll just figure out when we listen back how it sounds. Um, right. I should probably also mention I have a very loud dog that may or may not bark, and I live across the street from the fire station. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I That's all right. That. There is, I mean, but, this is you know, so, like random and impulsive that it's just not going to be perfect and that's okay but that's all I like anyway so yeah right yeah so maybe we should say what we're even doing if we can even figure out what we're doing um but I like you I'm a creative and we know each other from years of the blogging world which was quite a long time ago for both of us. I, I'd say like eight years. Does that sound right? Yeah, I I think I've been out of it since about, well, I, I was just going back on my blog like because I wanted to pull up. I was just looking at old stuff. I, I've kind of avoided it. I, mm-hmm. I was still blogging in 2017-ish, but I think I, I was, I think it was like one post a year or like I right. would try to yeah. join like for in November <laughs> to blog what yeah whatever yeah anyway, the every day in November thing I never could do it I want to say I haven't been active in it since probably 2015 for sure so how many years that? right yeah. Yep. exactly yeah. seven or eight or something um but we've kept in touch we've kept in, la- in touch with a lot of people from that time and but very sporadically I mean life has been way different than it used to be back then but um I suppose just through old person Facebook mostly for most of us it's just kind of kept us tethered a little bit but you know I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time I can remember even kicking it around way back when they first were a thing which was a long time ago now. 
Yeah, and I um, feel like we talked about this a long time ago, too. Well, we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, and then a lot of life happened. So um, we're calling, yeah. we're calling this thing writing threads, which I want to give a hat tip to our old friend, Megan. I don't know if she wants me to say her full name, so I'm not going to, but um, um, she and I were thinking of doing a website called writing threads years ago. And um, you and I were having these conversations lately about threads and, and about missing writing and missing there being a place for this super wise and talented creative people that we've gotten to know who have kind of gone quiet along with us. Um, we wanted there to be something again, some, something um, that includes some of those people we've met and, and maybe others. And that's how this kind of came to be that um, storylines always have these threads and, and therefore people do. And time has these threads and every piece of writing has some sort of thread. Um, And so that's, that's how it came to be. And you and I are so swamped in life that it's like, we're just sort of having a conversation about it. And then all of a sudden we're on our phones, like, let's just talk about it. (laughs) Let's just talk about it in person and tell everyone we don't know what we're doing. And it's probably not going to sound perfect, but we'll figure it out. I was thinking about it before, right before we started this, this morning, um, that it's almost like it's being squeezed out of us. There is so much going on in my life. And I know yours like that. It's just honestly beyond imaginable the, how much can happen to one person or one family, you know? And I'm thinking, what are we doing? What am I doing with my time (laughs) writing and making a podcast? And I realized it is not even by choice. This is being squeezed out of me. Mm -hmm. I felt like there's no other explanation for it. Right? I totally understand what you're saying. And I love it. I love it. I mean, I think we're, we've learned in the past and recently we've been emailing like crazy, just talking when we have a moment to breathe. And sometimes it's just a short little blip. And sometimes it's like, here's how my whole day went, <laughs> you know, but um, we have a lot of things in common that we're both bursting with. So you're right. Like it can't be just like, just like what happened with blogging. I think like that, I had no idea what I was doing back then. I just started doing it. When I was just looking back, I I honestly haven't logged in and I had made my blog just private, but I can go Mm -hmm. back in and look at the years and years and years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there were times I blogged every single day and I, it was writing. And I was like, it's like, Mm -hmm. I've just now looked back and be like, oh, that is what's missing. And maybe Mm -hmm. the the thing now for us that because that was our lifeline then is the thing is now this whatever we're doing (laughs) whatever we're doing I and this is really my favorite way to do things I realized that um I had another podcast kind of in the works and then um my lovely friend that was going to do it with me it just wasn't the right time for her and we had been really bogged down in how to do it right 
like way too bogged down in just the technical stuff and do we need a website and is it going to take a lot of time to do social media and just all these questions and you know how does it really work and it was just stopping us stopping us stopping us and I I'm like oh yeah this is how I've always written too without planning (laughs) you know and just what you're saying like kind of it gets squeezed out of me like it has to go somewhere and when we haven't been doing that regularly we get sad and so I mean we have lots of reasons to get sad but it helps me so much to have a space to write and you know I just started writing semi-regularly on medium and that was another thing I just up and did one day because it was easy and free (laughs) you know it's just like I don't want to go back to my old blog I mean we'll talk about all of that like how much we've changed and how much of our blog you know how many of our blog posts embarrass us now um and just how different we are since all those years ago because I mean I think we both started around the same time too that would that would be like 2007 you might have been before that yeah I well I think like my first post was the end of 2005 because Luna had just been born and it was mm-hmm. it was adventures in baby wearing um yes it was because um she was my third child and I did a whole different type of parenting approach with the attachment parenting and that more natural leaning parenting than I had before um throughout the baby wise and uh and that was I was just writing about that and my obsession with slings (laughs) yes yes and you were seriously like the person the person to follow about the baby the baby wearing and the natural parenting and and you've always been a good writer Steph you've no matter what you've been writing about it's beautiful thank you I like to write and that's the other thing is that it's like where did that go why did I stop I mean, mm-hmm. I, okay, I still write, but I don't share it. And I'm not like putting it together. Like I know I can. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I don't know how many times I've committed myself to the practice of writing and then not done it in, in these last several years. And I think for both of us, a lot of that is midlife stuff. And just we're both... um divorced I have three kids you have four kids there's so much going on um and I'm remarried now and I have more support than I did before but we've been single mothers around the same number of years and that meant working really hard and the tank is empty the tank just gets so empty that you just shut down instead of like I'm gonna get up at 5 a.m and (laughs) write for an hour you know like I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. because I have to get 17 places, <laughs> exactly. you know, so, um, and I, you know, the, the thing that I have come to love in the last many years is this idea of, you know, the threads of our stories follow a certain, um, I don't know what the word would be for it, but trajectory maybe. Um, where, and and I think I get this as a, as a sober woman in recovery, there's 
there, there are these questions that if we're going to share our story, whatever that story might be, the questions are, what was it like? What happened? And what's it like now? And during our email conversations, I could see that so much where, you know, we're talking about some old things that we used to believe and think and that we were taught. And then what happened is so much, it's often the rock bottom stuff, the super stressful stuff, illness, like just a number of things um, that shift the life. And, and then lastly, what's it like now? Like, what do you believe now? What do you think now? How do you feel now? I think there's a stark contrast <laughs> from all those years ago when we met to what it's oh, like yeah. now. Oh, and I'm sure. super excited to talk about it with you. It's my turn. <laughs> yeah. I'm super excited well, to talk about it with you. I know. And then, I am too. and then we went dead. I know. Yeah. That's all right. Well, when I was going back, uh, just because I was thinking about, it's hard to explain where I feel like to describe the person I was when I first started, I had come across this post that I'd posted on a works for me Wednesday. (laughs) Oh my God. From Max in my dryer. And it was the love, sweet love edition. And so my works for me Wednesday and I think this was in 2007, was basically a post of from like a 50s home economics textbook about teaching girls to prepare for married life. And Are you serious? Works, yes. And my works for me Wednesday was the list about how I felt like many people would not agree with it that listed. And I thought it was, these are my words, but I do think really and truly underneath, this is the right idea. It ministers to my husband and that's what is most important. That was what I posted. And then I gave the list and it was like, have dinner ready, prepare yourself, take 15 minutes to rest. So you're refreshed when he arrives home from work. Um, Be happy to see him, greet him with a warm smile. Um, don't greet him with complaints and problems. Make him comfortable. <laughs> have, a cool, have a cool or warm drink ready for him. No. Don't ask him questions about his actions or question his judgment or integrity. Remember, um, he is the master of the house and as such will always exercise his will with fairness and truthfulness. You have no right to question him. A good wife always knows her place. I wrote I'm, those things. I am blog. so, I am so floored right now. Like knowing who you are as a person now, mm-hmm. and just, I mean, there are people that definitely believe those things. Um, <laughs> and how did that turn out for you, Steph? Well, <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can even read the comments on this because I remember, you know, in blogging world especially in our circles, it was never negative comments. Everybody was always positive, no matter what you wrote. And I feel like this was the first post I had people saying, what are you talking about? 
and it was mostly I think it was around the time when I started branching out not only associating or reading Christian blogs or whatever where you it was it was opening up to where you were starting to read people of different you know from different parts and and like so I was gaining different perspectives that way for sure it was definitely a help for me to get get away from that type of thing but Mm -hmm. that is what I believe that was at that time that was like that was my identity you know that is what I was Mm -hmm. that was my and I was like going to be the best at it and I really did believe those things at that time and uh, and the people I was surrounded with in real life, like at church and whatever, they followed those same, same things. So it was, you know. Yeah, that was just normal. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I know better. I can't. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. It's hard to even feel sad for that person anymore. I did for a while. I thought, oh, my gosh, like how, how did I? survive that or what what was I thinking how could I be so brainwashed um Mm -hmm. but it it was a gradual over time of getting outside of the bubble I was in and I have to say blogging and everything like open that up Mm -hmm. I was able to see well I was able to learn more about myself and see my worth and the, it took a really long time. So I was married almost 18 years. So it took a long time to see the light that I might even be able to not stay in the marriage. I had, because of those beliefs, those, those mm-hmm. antiquated beliefs, I had convinced myself that there was no way out. And, you know, that I hadn't completed my education. I didn't work. I stayed at home. What, how could I survive outside of that marriage? And and I think, and basically talk about being something being squeezed out of you. I could, literally could not stay in it anymore. It was like, I just, it, it just, I had to get out. And mm-hmm. I, and the world didn't end. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I am, you know, things are still hard, but at least I'm on this side of it. Um, yes. And not stuck in a life that wasn't meant for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I feel like I have even way more to write about now, but it's how to get all that out and what's safe to share. And, you know, when there's divorce and all of that, and, mm-hmm. you know, more sides of the story than just yours. It's, right. And how, yeah. How, do, how much do we share because of our kids or about our kid, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's tricky stuff. Now, when, when our kids were babies, it was just easy. Yeah. No, you know, there wasn't yeah, really yeah. any way to hurt them with it. Right. Yeah. And, but also one of the most important things about having, you know, being divorced or choosing to go through with the divorce was for my kids, because I wanted them to know the real me and not mm-hmm. this performance of a mom or a person, you know, I don't want to be just mom. I want them to see me because I want them to live their truth mm-hmm. and I want to be a good model and so I, I, we do have the real conversations. And, and so I feel like what I share is what I would, what we talk about already, you know, mm-hmm. how we live our life already. Right. And I think right. that is the only way to live right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just being done with anything that you're holding back and not be, you know, um, I was telling my family, you know, that I needed (laughs) to get away and go do this with you and please don't come in the bedroom and all of that. And Elsie really, really likes, um, performance in general. And she was like, but I want to be on the podcast. I keep telling you, I want to do a podcast. And I said, you know what? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I I just said, you know, I've been thinking about that. And I'm like, I think it would be really great for, you know, if you're comfortable with it to talk to you about what you go through at 10 years old. And that's what I was going to say. I think we should interview our kids. Yeah, I do too. I think that would be a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, it will be messy and imperfect and, you know, it'll be like life, but that's what people need. And and, let me tell you, I would love for other bloggers we know, I would love to interview their kids. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, just to see what, you know. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think we'd be surprised. Yeah. And who else do we want to talk to? I mean, we want this, um, we've been talking about how we would just love to feature people who we knew through all those years. And there are people that have gone on to do huge things and that's super fun. And then there's tons of us that got swallowed by life or just kind of, um, you know, a lot of people went back to full-time work when their kids were old enough and then just didn't have time for writing the way they did before. And everybody talks about how they miss it and miss the community of it and miss the practice of it. Um, and we just, I think it's going to be so great to talk to some of those people who might be kind of quiet now, but they're still the same amazing people with incredible stories. They're the people I still follow and they always share the best memes, yes, <laughs> but I yes. want more. I want what's behind that meme, you know? Yeah. I miss yeah. it. And I, yeah. And just, sure. I, I would love it if people, so I used to do this thing. My blog was, I forgot to say my blog was called the extraordinary ordinary, but nobody needs to go back to that. Right now. <laughs> um, but I did this thing on there every Tuesday called just right. And back then it was like, you know, everybody was way more into doing things like linking up to the, you know, just some sort of activity. What was that called? Do you remember what that was called? Like, Oh, the thing that you, the master linky or what was that called? Oh, Mr. Linky. There was a Mr. Linky. Yes. And then it would show all the links on the blog post to everyone who did their own blog post. and do you remember for like just right and works for me Wednesday, like people would like camp out to be the first link. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> so funny. Cause that got clicked on the most because it was so important Ooh, to get yeah. people to come to your blog. Um, yeah. Which, so like, isn't that, but that's something we have to cover as well is why did it mean so much for someone yeah. to come to your blog? Yep. You know, like, we like I don't think we would admit that that that's what we wanted but we did we wanted people yeah. to read our words well and yeah somet- and, and sometimes they are so embarrassing when I've gone back and yes. my goal is to go back and go over every post 
and it'll get turned into something for me someday. But sure. Um, yeah. It's so, it's very uncomfortable going back. But it I is. know, at, but then I'm trying to give myself grace and remember myself in that very moment, like down mm-hmm. in my basement at the computer in the playroom area <laughs> where I started and like how at that moment that was life to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking about it before we started talking about, um, I can remember very vividly, um, I don't, I think we were at a blog her, so a big conference and we maybe talked a little bit and then we were at all these parties and you were baby wearing <laughs> everywhere you went, you know, mm-hmm. and I think you had Ivy with you at the time, but, um, so, and I looked back on that in my mind because I can remember just like it being so weird to meet people in person and try to connect everything that you've gleaned from their writing and how they do things to the person in front of you. And I had this vivid memory of you standing there talking to some people and you looked nervous and I was nervous. Mm -hmm. And, and I was thinking we had wrapped ourselves in that online world as some sort of armor and identity. Like your identity was at baby stuff right. and my, my identity was at Heather of the EO for extraordinary ordinary and I don't even know how I even got into using Heather of the EO I mean it's just anyway um <laughs> I it you was, know I, it was because you had to fit it in so many letters right yeah right yeah I think and of the I don't even know why it was of the but I whatever the exact moment I created my Twitter profile I was walking the hallway out of Blogger in San Diego or San Francisco, San Francisco. I was, and you were learning that needed to tweet. Um, Yeah. Arianne, I was walking with Arianne and she was like, you have to get on Twitter. And I got on, I was pregnant with Ivy at the time. This was Blogger 08. And I was (laughs) like, okay, I'm at baby stuff. And it was so early on that was available. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And it was okay. That's what I am. Because I think baby wear adventures and baby wearing was too long or something. Probably Sure. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that's probably where Twitter is probably where mine came from too, but I can remember. Okay. So after, after I got sober, that's kind of like, I had an like, okay. Red blog. Like it wasn't like I was deuce, (laughs) you know, deuce was big at the time. And you know, just readers, but nothing big. And then when I admitted that I was an alcoholic on the day I quit drinking, which is another thing that just absolutely blows my mind, you know, that I'm like, I will post on my blog and tell everyone I'm going to quit drinking today on the very day that I'm trying to get sober. It's just mind blowing to me. And it turns out as all things do that it was, it, it worked out. It was good. You know, I had so many wonderful people supporting me who had been through it and so I don't think I would do it any differently there's just parts of it I would do differently um but then I remember the blogger that year in New York City it was so different than it had been in the past where I was just lost in a sea of people and just knew the people I knew 
um, it became like people saying, oh, that's Heather of the EO. <laughs> Which, yeah. It was, and it was very weird for me and I was freshly sober. So that was weird. And I, I felt really uncomfortable with it and also kind of liked it. You know, it just, it was such I an identity like thing. It was. And I remember it too, that feeling of you're so protected behind the screen and then actually choosing to go be in person was like, you know, we're all naked in the, in the spa together or something, you know, like, right. and then you just see underneath everyone. Like for me, I saw how real everyone really was. They were just normal people. They weren't like, they didn't look like celebrities, you know, like you could be <laughs> right. a celebrity blogger, like this top blogger and look mm-hmm. like your neighbor, you know, just like yeah. anyone. And you didn't, I mean, at that time, it's changed now with influencers, I have to say, but yeah, you know, I don't really get too much into that. But yeah, like at that time, it was like you were coming with our shells off, you know. And what I remember from that time was just being embraced even more, you know. Mm-hmm. And well, and think about how we, I don't honestly, we'd have to go back, but how we even put together Cupcake 10. You know, yes, yeah. I mean, how did we even pull that off? And now that I think back, I'm like, oh my gosh, you you must have done all the work on that, and I feel so bad now. <laughs> no, like, I doubt it. I, I doubt it. I don't know. Together, I don't even know. But it was just yeah. out of us, like having such a need to connect in person. Mm-hmm. Like we had such a big connection outside of it. You know, like, doesn't that blow your mind that people would come from all over? Yes. I mean, that was a retreat. We should clarify what, and we don't know why it was called Cupcake. Do you? I, I don't. bet, you know what? Cupcakes <laughs> were really big in 2010. That's all I remember. We were like, we're going to do something. We want to get together for cupcakes. I don't remember, <laughs> but I know that people wanted to come. And those intimate moments we had together in that house were yeah. so important I mean they were just really great I mean and I still can I I just saw Esther a few months ago here because she has family here and when she was in town we met for coffee and yeah. I'm just like I can't believe the connections we made so early on right that you know and some of them I don't even talk to ever again but we had really great moments you know yeah. we just had such a good time and it was like whatever it was was so needed at that moment yeah, I, I just do think it was the connection and the community. And I I can only speak for me, but I was really isolated um, yeah. because my husband at the time traveled for work. I had two small boys two years apart and I had not had my daughter yet. That that came much later. But, um, you know, I I and I I didn't enter into motherhood gracefully at all whatsoever. Um, and I we'll probably get into a lot of that as we talk more, but, um, it was my escape too. Like I can be honest about, I just needed something for me. I needed adult contact all the time. And I was so hungry for it. And I think it just was because I felt invisible and needed and needed and needed. And it was something that filled me up a little bit. And I, 
got excited when I made connections with people who are still some of my closest friends because I would have found them no no other way. And we just I'm kept stumbling. Really? That's where I met Anne. Yeah. yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna hear the funniest meeting Anne story? It's funny yes. and sad. But okay, so we had connected online and we're talking about Anne Immig, um, who had a blog called Anne's Rants and it was a humor writer. And um <laughs> and I love I just every time I say that I picture that header where the boys are jumping around. She's on a laptop. Yeah. And that's the thing is I could remember everybody's blog, what they look like and when they have makeovers. Okay. Anyway, back to Anne. (laughs) So Anne then created Listen to Your Mother and you worked for her. And, you know, you you summarized Listen to Your Mother. I'm terrible at it. Uh, Live story readings uh, about motherhood or your mother. uh, And it was started out... um, as a Mother's Day, like a, a Mother's Day event, a one-day event that Anne put on in Madison. And um, these essays were read on stage. I saw, I happened to see the video of her first show and mm-hmm. was just blown away. Yeah. And then, that, and then it grew into such a huge countrywide event. Yeah, in cities everywhere. And um, so I had met Anne long before Listen to Your Mother not that long, but you know, um, online. And then it was, I was not sober yet when I met Anne in person. So we were at a blog, her, it was in Chicago and there was a party <laughs> that we were both at, at a bowling alley. And oh, I was at that bowling alley. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. And I was apparently so drunk that Okay, so I didn't, I talked to Anne for a long time, like, hey, we're finally meeting, right? Like, she tells me this now, because I don't remember it. Oh, wow. And that's so you terrible. You don't remember the first but, time you met her. No. And what I did later to humiliate myself further, and I guess, I mean, I appeared somewhat normal to people, even being that drunk, but that alcoholics can do that. But, um, but I, <laughs> the next time we were both going to something, I sent her a message saying, I can't wait to meet you. Oh. And she was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) We've met. And I, I'm kind of shocked by this, but at the time I just admitted it. And I wasn't ready to quit drinking at that time. But I, I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I was really drunk. I blacked out. Because I can remember going back to my hotel room, having the spins. I I was sharing oh, wow. a room with with Kim Borchart, yeah, who was Mormon at the time, and trying to pretend like I wasn't that drunk. I mean, you know, all alcoholics have these stories, but um, I know you know that I remember I, when you told me, and I had been around you so much and never knew. No, no. I, yeah, people really didn't. And I, you know what I can remember about cupcake almost the most vividly is that when we were packing up to leave and we had all that cupcake wine. Yeah. Cupcake wine had sponsored it. Um, I remember everybody kind of talking about like, do you want to take some wine home? Do you want to take some wine home? And nobody wanted it. 
except me. And I just stood there waiting and hoping that I was going to get the wine. Did you did, yeah. did you get the wine? Yes. It was like a box of wine. I mean, oh, like a whole God. bunch, maybe two boxes of it. And I can remember how quickly it was gone. At within... that time, we didn't drink. And then things changed, which I'll talk about later too. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, about belief in, in drinking and how that right. changed and affected my marriage. But um, that's, and you know what? That is something that is so funny that that is what you remember and that would have never even been on my mind. No, nobody, nobody would have thought, oh, of course, Heather wants all the wine. I mean, you know, I just, no. And I, you know, I could hold it together pretty well. And I could, I could control myself in those kinds of situations because I knew I didn't want to make a fool of myself, but it was very uncomfortable for me not to drink, but anyway, or not to drink too much or more, whatever. But, um, but that is how, yeah, how, I mean, Anne and I laugh about it now, of course, it was hurtful to her at the time because she's like, wait, I thought we had a really great conversation. And I said, you know, we probably did. And I probably meant it, but I, sure. I can't. Yeah. And, you know, but you know, oh so every once in a while we'll say something to each other, like, you know, have I met you? Oh, how funny. <laughs> you know, just, See, Cause that's what you have to do when you look back. You have to, you, you gotta get real about it. You know, yeah. otherwise it's just a wedge. You know, there's, you just yeah. take away the wedge so it's not uncomfortable anymore. Right. Have, and, you know, if you want to be real with me, I was a baby wearer because I had a lot of issues and my baby was my barrier. You yeah. Know? And mm-hmm. I, you know, that attachment parenting was, was something I went over the ledge on and mm-hmm. because that protected me. And yeah. so that is why it's something that I have learned so much about looking back and being like, wow, I did those things. I was so obsessed with those things because of how it served me at that time. It protected me. Yeah. Things I didn't, you know, it kept me from revealing my true self or whatever that Mm -hmm. really, if we just revealed our true selves, you know. Did you even know, you know, did you even know who your true self was at the time? Do you think? I think Deep down, I think I did, but I, at, at the point I was in the, my belief system back then, that was something that I felt was worldly or um, sin nature, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think I, and I guess maybe we should have an episode sometime on the language of evangelical people, like what sin nature is or what sin even is or what any right. of these things are. But yeah. at that time I had, everything was so repressed because I thought it was not of God and it was not godly. And I didn't think it was, uh, I was allowed to feel those things, you know, those, those things, my desires of just wanting to be me and be real. Yeah. And be and, normal. Yeah, and be normal. You know, honestly, just or I mean, back then, it was it was like when people were starting to just tiptoe into maybe sharing about our mental health, and I don't even think we would have called it mental health back then. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, to because it's scary to reveal what's really going on in your mind. And I remember writing a post one time about feeling depressed, and my father-in-law told me I probably shouldn't be putting those things online. Mm-hmm. as they could be they were they would be hurt well and actually in his office he had a sign that said I'm too blessed to be depressed 
you know, so that's yeah. just how they believed. And I felt, um, I remember feeling scolded and that did make me feel like in a way it made me want to share about it more. Mm-hmm. And I ended up doing that. And I think that's, those are the small increments where I started to push a little bit more and see like how far I could go with sharing and until Mm -hmm. it felt safe. And then you realize, Oh, we have, we're surrounded by people that are doing the same thing and feeling the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the beautiful thing about it. I think um, more than anything for me was having those me too moments. I mean, me too means something totally different now. Right, um, but then, yeah. Yeah. And I can actually remember you saying that to me or commenting or something somewhere where you said something like, there's nothing more powerful than a me too or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember that just really hitting me in the gut in a good way. You know, we hadn't, the internet in those early days that was kind of new territory for connecting and being that honest. And I've always been that way um, in my friendships and, you know, just, I love the bigger, deeper, honest, real, raw stuff. And so that's another reason why I did it. Now that you say that, I, I'm like, yeah, that's. um, We had to be, we had to write what we wanted to read. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know what, I don't know if you remember this, but I can remember um, my first post about depression was called passing the bed. And it was about what, what it felt like to be depressed to the point where every time you walk by your bed, that's the only place you want to be. And, you know, I was describing wanting to get under the covers, but having to keep going because I'm a mom, you know, and I can't just leave my two boys defend for themselves while I'm in my bed. Um, but that that's where I was, was in my head. And, you know, my body was out doing things for my kids, but my head was in my bed, basically. Um, yeah, and I, can, I, yeah. I just remember that that thing that happened and I started to feel more confident about being that honest because at that time there wasn't, I mean, if you weren't that big anyway, you didn't have the trolls, you know, coming around to say awful things. You had a readership of like-minded people who just supported you and loved you and said, I understand. And, you know, it was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember one time I had a naysayer (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I just, I reached out to them and was like, you know, Hey, can we mend this? I don't know what might've happened. And, um, it turned out it was just someone that, and they ended up posting a Mia culpa, you know, and hmm. just basically, I think they didn't expect me to reach back out. And, but that's how important it was for me to, for it to stay such as positive space, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but I, from my recollection, that was the only one time in my whole time blogging which is wild to me considering what things are like today Mm -hmm. um it was a different it was different yeah it was really different and I I'm grateful that we were there at that time um and I'm 
I'm grateful it's not there like it was because that was, it was time consuming and, and obsessive mm-hmm. and, you know, it's all right to have these seasons pass um, and to look back on a lot of it and be like, what? I mean, like even Anne and I were talking recently about we, how we would just go to these places in other cities, spend this money, not knowing, sometimes not even knowing our roommate, really. <laughs> right. And, the, you know, I like. Did. And <laughs> set me up. Anne set me up with a roommate in, uh, when we were in L.A. <laughs> Oh yeah. It turned out really great. She right. would be someone great to interview too. Yeah. There's, there's so many great people to interview. I can't wait. Um, yeah. I but, guess yeah. I'm refraining from saying names until I get permission. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. It's hard. It's hard. There's so many but, I mean, fascinating people. How, it's funny how that was the last blogger I was at. So like even in the end, I was still doing that. It was even in the end, and I want to say, especially towards the end, there were fewer people I knew that I could room with because less and less people were attending. And right. so it was just wild how it kind of came full circle Yeah. towards the end for me where it was like, okay, I'm, I remember that feeling of, of, um, you know, when we first started and then being the people where everyone wants to sit at your table and then being at the end where it was like, can I sit here (laughs) (laughs) again starting over yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and every single time though it was I guess something I needed to experience Mm -hmm. you know those are that's what life is like yeah and I'm going through the same thing right now with like changing my job my real job (laughs) or whatever my my job that I work um like being new again right I'm old, but I'm new. (laughs) (laughs) You're not old. I know. So something else we want to do with this is share the kind of writing that we both love and have other people share it. And um, I believe you found something. Would you like to read it? Sure. Well, I, I just happened to write this, you know, as we were, I was getting so inspired by doing this with you and was just like um just took the moment to to write down a blog posty type of moment I had this week and I thought this is this is this is it you know you don't have to you don't have to write about anything specific or set out to be like okay I'm gonna write about this right now Mm -hmm. it was just something that happened and uh so what it was is I forgot to do the wordle yesterday (laughs) um (laughs) No, Ivy, Ivy and I were cuddled on the couch watching Station Eleven, and one of the characters said something like they were in mourning, and Ivy goes, "Oh." She looked up at me and asked, "Did you do the wordle today?" And I was surprised. I had to think about it and realize, "Oh, I didn't. That's never happened before." <laughs> uh, and I, I go, "Why was the word mourn?" I asked. Yeah, she said. I have never missed a Wordle since I learned of it. I remember it when it was in the early stage of being widely known and I discovered you could go back and play all the past Wordles. I tried to do them all in one long gluttonous sitting. It was a zone out obsession. It was a put my hand on my heart moment. It was a scratch of the itch situation and I leaned all the way in. 
if I woke up panicked in the night because life circumstances, because I'm a 45 year old woman, because I'm a mother with children who are sad because of the state of this world right now, I would remember there was a new wordle waiting for me after midnight. And then I added on Myrtle and sometimes Quirtle, <laughs> something <laughs> to look forward to every day. Mm-hmm. And I imagine a lot of people's diary entries from this time will say the exact same thing I've written or in some form or the other. When people look back someday, if there are still people someday, what we turn to, what we went over the ledge for, what lifeline we grabbed onto, and our search to find and understand those who are able to function otherwise. That's what I wrote. Yes. See, I just love that stuff. It's so, well, it's life. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, and I don't know. I mean, I suppose exactly the way you write is why I, I loved you from the start. Like, um, because my blog was called The Extraordinary Ordinary for a reason, right? Yeah. I, that's how I wanted to see the world. That's how I naturally see the world, even though sometimes I don't. But, you know, that I would look at the most seemingly mundane stories of my life or things around me, people around me, and see something extraordinary. And I, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful that I had a space to put it out into the world and practice it. And now it became a part of me. You know, I always it, found it, it so inviting. You're, it, it felt that even that title alone was so welcoming. You. Thank you. And now I'll tell you my little ditty, my little short piece of writing that I found to share with you today. Um, This is from six years ago. So Elsie was, what is she, 10 now? She's probably about four, yeah. Um, The Brig brothers went to be with some friends today. I took a nap with Elsie side by side where we, and hand in hand. Two hours we stayed like that. I woke up with a kink in my neck and drool on my pillow and two bright blue eyes smiling at me. Then we took a long walk all around town and stopped by the dam in the park and to see Bruiser, the dog across the street. We were hand in hand again while walking and Elsie carried a hot cocoa and I carried a latte. My girl, she talked with so much intensity and gestures and eyebrows up. Some of her stories were true and some were made up completely. We can pretend anything. Just imagine anything. That was it. I love it. I can see her eyebrows up. (laughs) Yes, she has great eyebrows. Um, But yeah, it just, we've gotten to capture so many moments like that. That's the best thing about writing. Like there's so much to look back on now and be like, oh, I would have never held that in my brain and heart. Oh, for real. I know. Yeah. And that's the other thing is I don't want to be missing on right now, even though right now feels so miserable sometimes. Yeah. It's those there's I'm finding. And just like I was telling you in an email, how it, I said something like, I don't know why I am the way I am. It takes me laying flat, soothed by the cold rock bottom in order to feel anything at all mm-hmm. and remind me to get up and get going again. And it is wild how I will have some of the most blissful moments mm-hmm. in such turmoil. Yeah. And 
I, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. And I'm mm-hmm. so thankful when I can feel those moments and those, and then I'll, I'll just like type out something in my notes on my phone and mm-hmm. it is like a jolt of caffeine or something. And then I feel like, oh my gosh, I checked a box that I didn't know I needed to check off today to, to continue functioning, you know, yeah. um, there, I think, I, like I said, when I opened up my blog and looked back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what's missing. It's it's not lost or missing. It's there. Mm-hmm. And it's just, we've got to tap into it. And, and I mean, it's nothing has been lost. I have to always remember that. Nothing has been lost. There's nothing missing that I don't already have. It's all here. And yeah. that gives that also gives me so much hope to be like, oh my gosh, I have so much material. <laughs> you know yes and 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 then it's just living the everyday the continuous the continuous moments and um it just gives me hope yeah it does I I think I write myself into hope oh yeah and I and I write myself into perspective um and I I kind of have to I think it's I think it's always there in me, but it gets really dark sometimes. And the way I write, I, it just ends up having this spin of seeing the beautiful things. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, it is like air when you haven't had any, it's like a long drink of water when you've been thirsty for days. It's yeah. R- writing is a way, you know, everybody always says you got to sit in it. You can't just distract from it or avoid the hard parts if you sit in it and writing for me is the way to just get right into it mm-hmm. and and sometimes that is how you you write the you write your words to climb the ladder out yeah I'm so glad you're willing to talk to me like this randomly on our phones do you know what's funny also right now is that I on my desk I put a whole bunch of pillows around me because I was like, oh, maybe it'll help the the sound not bounce off the walls. I can't wait. I hope it sounds okay. I, <laughs> no. I can't believe that the dog hasn't barked. Right? I mean, there's a lot of banging going on in my house of doors. I don't hear anything. I, okay, good. Maybe the pillows are helping. Maybe. But, um, so I just have one more question. I'm thinking about as you were talking, I was like, I want to know there's so much right now that, you know, to struggle through, but what, what is your greatest struggle right now in life right now? Right now, probably just building my finances up so that I can support my family. I'm a single mom and basically Mm -hmm. um, just due to life circumstances, um, basically it's all on me Mm. and going from being a stay-at-home mom to (laughs) having to have you know having to support everyone on my own is such a huge struggle and it's kind of like if I can just get to a point where we're coasting or you know (laughs) it can be even um yeah I think that and I can see it up ahead you know but right now Mm -hmm. that is such a I guess that's what overwhelms me. Yeah, I've been there, Steph, and I yeah, I feel it so deeply. I 
I actually wrote a piece that I read for, um, I did like a keynote thing online during COVID for an organization that serves people in poverty. And it was about shame and poverty. Mm. And I was below the poverty line for quite some time um, through, you know, the years after my divorce and just rebuilding my life. And um, I was working four jobs at one point. Um, My parents were still healthy at the time. So they watched my kids a lot when I had shifts like waiting tables. And it's just, it's like treading water. And I always told people that it felt like, I was just treading water and treading water and treading water. My head was going under, my head was going under and people were just sort of like pointing out what I should be doing differently. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, like, they'd be like pointing over there, like, Hey, there's a life raft over there. If you could just swim to the other side of this lake, you'll get that life raft. And I, you know, I'd be like, you can't swim when you're drowning. Yeah. And um, you're, you're completely uh, tied down with weights. Yeah. I mean, all of those things were part of this analogy in my head. And I, and I felt like there were also a lot of people who were standing on the dock and like putting their foot on my head, just like pushing me under for a while, you know, and it feels like that. It feels suffocating and it feels helpless. A lot of the time it feels there is shame involved, like no matter how much we try to remove the stigma and be proud of ourselves for all we're doing. And, you know, it's, um, it's indescribable to people who haven't experienced it. And I even was grateful for it during it because I was like, I get it now. Oh yeah. And also, I mean, I have to say as much as this struggle is, I know I'm, I'm being me during it all and I'm on the right side. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't, it's hard to explain, but there's, there's uh, no regrets in being on this side. Yeah. Because this, this was necessary. Right. And, and that's the thing is just, I, I can remember my oldest son, I asked him, you know, how he was doing not long after we separated and I was doing all these jobs and I was so scared and he said, you're not as angry anymore. Mm. And I didn't even know I was acting angry, but I had so much bottled up, you know, and I can just remember feeling so relieved, like, okay, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I'm, they have no idea that I'm barely able to pay the bills, you know, and Yet he saw freedom in me. And that meant you were on the right track. Mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, we went from living in a gigantic house to a very tiny rental home mm-hmm. that is overflowing because we kept most of what was inside the gigantic house um, to the having to share rooms and all of this. And they will say they love, they love living here and they yeah. don't care. And it's true is that they get a way more fun mom like I'm more, like mm-hmm. seeing me one of my main goals uh, a couple years ago I don't usually do like new year's resolutions but it was just a goal in life was for them to be having fun 
that wasn't just with like having fun with them but having fun like on my own and Mm -hmm. so um I I've succeeded in that and it's it's we have joy house you know we just we're just it feels easy you know as much Mm -hmm. as we struggle Mm -hmm. inside our home it's easy yeah I I have a lot to learn from you about this stuff because I'm still (laughs) I do I mean I I'm such a an anxious person I have so much anxiety and I'm always working on it and I'm always apologizing but my kids know what uptight feels like, right? (laughs) You know, and that's, I'm saying this just to be honest. And I also know that this is one of the hardest struggles for many, many, many caregivers, you know, um, parents or anybody caring for someone. And I think it's, you know, it's something, well, I'm sure we'll talk about motherhood a lot, but I think one of the main things I want to talk about with you and just, um, learn from you and just be honest. I think our whole point is here at the point with this whole thing is just honesty. It's like my favorite, but, um, but I, I struggle every day. Like I'm going to start over every day. And I'm someone who, who works a program of recovery. And I, I put, I mean, I don't even, I can't even imagine how I would be <laughs> if I didn't, have some growth in that regard, but the anxiety is still there. And I, you know, the pressures of the last several years where it's just been, um, like being swallowed. Um, I, I feel like we're going to sit in therapy someday and I'm going to hear all about how I affected my kids, you know, with my, with my reactionary responses, um, where I, I think when we were emailing, I said this to you, like, I'm so good in a crisis. Like there's so many, so many big things happening around me right now in life. And I can handle that stuff, but I can't handle a huge mess in the kitchen that nobody cleaned up. Mm-hmm. I get like a, a crazy person and I, I'm not screaming because I'm just never been a screamer or a yeller, but like they are feeling my frustration. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's and hard. you know, if, if Anne was in on this conversation right now, which we will invite Anne to have conversations with us, because why wouldn't we? Um, but she would remind me to stop talking about these things that I'm not, I feel I'm not doing well and start talking about my gifts. Yeah. I don't and know that's start part talking of talking about them saying, noticing the freedom in you. Yeah. Yeah. It's always both. It's always both. Sometimes it's it's just us having to have the hard conversations and sitting the kids down and saying, okay, how do we avoid this happening again? Mm -hmm. Remember, we're going to, I always have to say, dishes on the left side of the sink, please. You know, (laughs) like, and it may be a group text reminder. It may be an in-person reminder. And I try, and, and at some point, it's, it starts following through. Mm-hmm. And then there's yeah. going to be slip-ups, and then you got to remind again. Well, and I That's have... my daily life. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's everybody, you know, everybody who has people that they live with, it's just a struggle. But, um, you know, I'm <laughs> when I describe some of the messes in my daughter's life, like, it, like her, she is the tornado. She's the bull in the China shop. She's, mm-hmm. you know, God love her, bless her heart. You know, she's creative. She's doing amazing projects all the time. And she thinks she's cleaning it up. It's all good intentions, you know, but people with her kind of mind can't even see the details of the mess. So you're describing me, Heather, (laughs) because I have to joke sometimes that I think I'm messier than my kids. Oh, to be honest. And I am one of those people that needs it to be like kind of in order and clean for my mental health, you know? So we, but all of our mental health. Yes. I, I could get this in order. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so is, okay so I meant to ask you so is what is your biggest struggle right now a lot of it is what I'm talking about right now not just like a clean house that's just so cliche but my own um struggle to be consistent and respond rather than react to some of these things and I'm too hard on myself um And so I get really down about it and I want to hide and how counterproductive is that? You know, it's just, I'm kind of going around with it, but I'm, I'm growing in this moment. So there's growing pains. And one of the things that has happened in the last few months is me finally kind of breaking down and saying, I can't do it all anymore. Um, And, you know, I haven't mentioned a lot of people know, but um, I have my parents living next door. My mom has Alzheimer's and my dad um, had a bone marrow transplant and has suffered a lot of issues from that since then and before then. And um, I have been very involved. And then I have the three kids and I got married and, you know, it's a lot of people and a lot of creatures and um, my dear friend, Jean, who I will share a lot about in the future um, recently said to me when I had the, I had just a total breakdown. like couldn't get out of bed for a couple days kind of thing. And, um, and I called her and she said, you're not a superhero anymore. And I don't know why it struck me to my core the way that it did, but it was just the right moment, the right words. And I realized like, okay, even if I can't stop doing everything, because you can't stop having people in your life or caring for them and helping them, but I could change my perspective on me being the center and me holding everything up. And not looking at myself like that anymore. Because I think I've kind of always looked at myself that way. Um, that if I stop, you know, with all the plates in the air, the whole thing is going to crash. Like the plane's going down. If right. I'm not paying attention and running here and running there. And this errand and that phone call and these appointments. And bigger issues than that. All the bigger issues. Because I'm good at the big issues. I will save you. You know, it's it's ridiculous ego stuff, but, um, I thought I had it. I thought I knew that. 
Yeah. And I thought I had worked through all that. Yeah. And it's all, it's like, I think when the crisis of everything happened, I regressed into a lot of that thinking and behavior because when you're stressed, you regress. And so I'm back to an even deeper level of working on that. And then it's humorous that like, there's not a lot of time to think about it because there's still a lot to do. And Elsie's been constantly moving. Yeah. There's always something and then another thing and then another thing. And I think that's true for everyone right now on, you know, the pandemic and war and division, just the list goes on and on with everything that is floating above us and around us and in us. And then we're also supposed to remember that the recycling goes out on Monday (laughs) And I got to remember that for me and my parents, which is totally fine. Like, it's not hard to take out their recycling. But the number of boxes to tick in my head <laughs> is just ridiculous. And I'm learning what Anne says with the hand over the heart. Just stop for just this one second or even these three breaths and just say, I love you. And I'm saying that to myself. And I'm saying that even if they're not in the room <laughs> to the people in my life and my higher power, like, okay, just the, stop. The, the words, some of the last words that I, I was messaging Anne recently and her words to me were slow down, slow way down. <laughs> and it's amazing how that helps. <laughs> right? Like, how can we forget that? But it, every day. And, and how it's like, we don't do it until someone tells us to. Yeah. You, I, it, I didn't even see it as a permission type of thing being granted. It was just that it, maybe it was. Maybe that is how I looked at it, is that I don't. I don't deserve to stop, you know, I deserve this mess I'm in uh, Mm. because I created it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it was like, she just pressed the pause button for me. And it's just like, I have to start learning to press my own pause button. Yeah. I just don't, it's like, why is it so hard? That's another thing to delve into. Mm Mm-hmm that, you know, why is it so hard to press the pause button? And I, I've always had this momentum about me where I go and go and go. The body in motion stays in motion. And that is part of this big struggle I'm having is recognizing that. And the whole time I've been with my husband, he's been telling me, you know, he's observing this and asking me to sit down. And I, Sometimes, if I'm being honest, I can only sit down for about 30 seconds and then I pop back up and he's like, where are you going? And I'm like, well, I just, I'm going to go switch the laundry. I can relate. What in the world? Why don't I just sit? And this is, this is probably the worst example, but I, (laughs) I was, I'm watching Inventing Anna I'm trying to force myself to sit down and like watch a show and just like slow down. Okay. 
and mm-hmm. I gave myself permission to put my phone down while I'm watching the show and I'm like let's give this a try watching it without being on my phone <laughs> that Thank was my challenge to myself last night <laughs> you totally get it but I did do laundry <laughs> I, I right? did end up hanging laundry while I was watching it it yep. was, but for a short moment, I did watch it with my full attention, and mm-hmm. I realized, oh my gosh, I've got an issue, you know, a problem here, and I, I want, I want to be more mindful of that. Yeah, I, I've been trying in the mornings <clears throat> because the dogs get me up really early, which is a blessing and a curse, but um, I. I've been trying just to like prayer hands in front of myself, like right up to my chest and just do the breathing stuff and, and just say the serenity prayer. Cause I love the serenity prayer. Um, and then I'm done yeah. and, and just being okay with that, like that much sitting, that's what Heather can do. That's how much sitting Heather can do. And then I'm sitting, but I'm, doing the wordle and checking Facebook and writing something for a while and then getting another cup of coffee and then getting my kids up, you know, it, yeah, but it's enough. It's enough for me, especially with the brain I have to just even do those three breaths and say that one little thing. Um, but now we've been talking for over an hour and I just want to ask you, you just answered one of these questions because these are burning questions I always have for people. I want to know what they're watching. <laughs> and you just told me inventing Anna, which well, I have I just, started. Yeah, I just started it and I don't know what I think of it yet. Me either. I, I didn't know much of the story. And so I kind of don't want to look up anything about it and like find out what the true things are until I get to the end and then I'm going to go back and look. But I have to say my current like obsession shows are better things on FX, Hulu, whatever that Pamela Adlon show. It highlights life as a single mom going through Mm -hmm. menopause really well. Oh, okay. Sign me up. I'm personally not going through menopause, but I really appreciate someone lighting the way for me. And then <laughs> there's just, it's nice. I can help people. you. You know, okay, awesome. Uh, and then I, um, oh my gosh, we started watching Pam and Tommy. <laughs> it's so good. What's Pam and Tommy? Pam and Tommy is about um, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee and the whole thing about their tape being stolen and the it is a fascinating series that I'm that's like it's just so well cast but I guess it's for people that are you know into that type of thing right um but um and then I guess the only other thing we usually look forward to is um SNL every week will it be good tonight I don't know (laughs) right (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about you? <laughs> I shouldn't have even asked you the question because no. mine is so embarrassing. I want to um, hear. Well, it's kind of lame and I don't know what it is, but okay. So I love true crime. I'm a true crime person. 
I like the podcast. I like, you know, whatever. And I like documentaries. Um, and I had never even looked at Peacock on, on, you know, as a, to see what is there to stream until very recently. And then I was like, Oh, Dateline. I used to like that show. Like when I watched cable TV and (laughs) there are so many seasons and episodes of Dateline. I think I've seen them all. Sadly. Okay. That we're right. And what is it? I mean, it's so cheesy. Well, but, I have to say is that I don't know what it is about us and our anxiety, but when it has the warning, like the warnings up the top, like whatever it has up there, I usually, yeah. the more, the better I like air pump. Yes. This is what I'm <laughs> I, I want to, I want to see these sad stories and get oh. scared. I mean, oh. you know, and I, I mean, my, my 16 year old even asked me, he walked into the bedroom, saw that Dateline was on the TV again last night. And he was like, why do you do this to yourself? Aww. Like, it can't be good for you. Why do you want to know about murder? And I'm, I'm like, you know what? You are so right. Like if I was a family of one of these people, would I want this dramatized? No. You know, well, I mean, they, are they did the show. Stories. They, they're yes, telling yes. their stories. And like, I view it as like, okay, I'm going to learn from this. Don't do that. Or, you know, this is how I can know. I mean, yeah. okay. I have on my phone last weekend, I just happened to run in to Starbucks to get, oh, I love cold brew with soft top, or they don't call it soft top. We have a Dutch bros here, which is, I think, mainly Oregon based and they call it soft top, but it, Starbucks I think it's called cold foam anyway now you have that information right when when I was walking up to go pick up my mobile order I saw a guy and a girl meeting for the first time and it looked like maybe it was their first time meeting like going on a date like and he was like hi are you this you know whatever she's like yeah Yeah. he's like want to take my car and so you know I took photos of it (laughs) (laughs) I grabbed my phone and I'm like if this girl goes missing I know what car he's driving I just, right. I'm always thinking ahead. <laughs> Me too. And now that I'm watching it all the time, like ridiculously, that's how I think in the world, which is a problem and it will pass. But yeah. I mean, it's okay to be aware. And I've always had kind of that brain, like where yeah. I, you know, where I'm a noticer and I'm hypervigilant sort of. And so And I guess it is, you know, it's always about the power of story for me. And it, if these people who are the family, they have this opportunity to just shine the light on their person. That's the good side of it. Yeah. And hopefully they get some good money out of it. Yeah. I don't know if they do, but that'd be nice. Okay. So that's, that is pretty much all I'm watching. And I really do have, um, I love a lot of different things. We did we did watch a couple episodes of Inventing Anna and I know nothing about it either. So I'm I'm looking forward to finding out what's going on. But um, Yeah, well one of my favorite parts about Inventing Anna, I think I'm only like four episodes in or something, is when they go when they branch off to the other people. And I it's like almost always like that in whatever show I'm watching is I want to know more about the non-main characters. Mm -hmm. Like those storylines are always my favorite. And so I like that in here where you're learning about the different people she got 
you know, to give her money or whatever. Right. Um, like just their stories. And that's the thing is that it's just endless possibilities of all the stories out there of everyone. I, I want to know how, what is going on behind the scenes of my Starbucks barista. Mm-hmm. You know, what yep. are they doing? Yeah. Uh, yep. If only we could know it all. I know. I know. Well, we're, we're going to find out a lot of stuff about a lot of people and each other with what we're doing right now. And I'm so excited and I'm grateful for you. And I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I love you, Heather. I love this you too. really nice. Let's do this again. Yes. I'm down. Okay. okay. You take care. Everyone should okay. forgive my Minnesotan accent, by the way. I'm How thick is it, Steph? Well, actually, as I'm listening, I'm wondering if if my Indiana Midwest is going to come out even more because people will comment on it here because they think I say like "mom" and they're but they're <laughs> always like, "Oh, I thought you were from somewhere else because you speak so nasally." <laughs> like, gee, thanks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's something I'm, people like pointed out, but okay, I get it. I'm just going to claim it now. You know my my thick Minnesota oh, accent. I used to be so embarrassed of being recorded in any way or on video and I catch it. I can hear it only when I've listened back to it, but other people are constantly, you know, from people from other places, of course, are always pointing it out, but I am, I'm going to embrace it. That's what I'm going to do. It's you. And yeah. I, I it's part of me. embrace mine too. Well, and you, you don't, you sound different than you used to just so you know. Really? Oh, yeah. Funny. I've been here almost 10 years, Oregon. It's crazy. And I'm glad that my kids can be, consider themselves more Oregonian than anywhere else we lived. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I'm glad for you too. Okay. Go hug them. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure, a new adventure that is fumbly, messy, and imperfect. We realize one of us is loud and one of us is quiet after this experience, so we'll work on making that better. Thank you for listening anyway, turning your volume up and down, and please come back for more Candid Conversations. We love you. Peace.